to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. All right. Well, hello, Victory family. How are you guys doing this day? It's been a wonderful time of worship. You know, just seeing all the people here, the thousands of people gathered here in this auditorium. I'm just amazed how we can all pack it all here. About 20 of you guys are here. And we'd like to welcome those of you who are joining us on Zoom and also on Facebook and YouTube. Wherever you are, uh, I'm pretty sure that you are all, or we're hoping that you're all doing fine. And uh, welcome to our uh, wonderful service today. We are on the third week of the Gospel Express. And, uh, but in reality, we are on the 20th week on the study of the book of Romans. And uh, wow, it's been a journey. We're almost at the finish line. And, uh, you know, we have been talking about uh, how to practice the Bible. We've shifted from uh, gospel explained, and now we are going to the gospel expressed. And so we're talking about practicing the gospel. The gospel is not just something to be preached about. But it's something to be practiced. It's not something to be proclaimed lang, but it's also something to be demonstrated. The gospel is not just explained, as I said earlier, but we must actually express it. In other words, it is important to know what we believe in so that we can live it. In fact, right thinking will lead to right living. Can you say that with me? Those of you who are in the audience, right thinking will lead to right living. And the doctrines, uh, we believe, will shape the way we live. And so it is so important for us to, uh, you know, have, you know, uh, selected doctrines that we believe in because that can definitely impact the way we live our lives. And today we will talk about a very relevant topic. Actually, it's a very hot topic, okay, aside from the hot star that you ate for uh, this, this day, okay? Topic that is so relevant today because it deals on how we are to treat our governing authorities, you know, America's about to hold their presidential elections in a few days in November, and there is a growing social dissatisfaction on how this present government, I'm not an American, but somehow I've been, you know, tracking uh, with the news, on how this current government is handling the COVID situation and other important social issues. And also here in the Philippines, we hear a lot of different uh, views about our government. We see this being magnified on social media. And sometimes the reaction of the public can actually be so vicious. You know, especially if you put something pro or against the government. And so we are a very highly polarized nation when it comes to social issues and politics. You know, they say that you don't mix politics and religion, but in reality, can we actually really separate the two uh, when you talk about uh, the Bible? And so there are people, even Christians, who are very vocal about their views. And I see a lot of those. They post it boldly on social media. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but it really depends on what you post there. While another group would just want to take the silent stand. And so the question for us today that we want to answer is, when the Bible says, submit, everybody says Submit. Submit to governing authorities. What does that mean? Are we to take either one of these two sides, like blind obedience by swallowing everything the government is saying to us, or civil disobedience by actually going against the government 
and really just establishing what the kingdom of God is saying? Or is there a middle ground? And so it's going to be an interesting topic uh, today. And as Christians, my question for us is, should we even get involved in politics? And this is what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles, still in the book of Romans. Uh, and we are actually turning to the 13th chapter, Romans chapter 13. We'll be reading from verse 1 until verse 7. Romans chapter 13. If you are watching, just go ahead and open your digital device. Or if you're watching on your digital device, it's okay also to open your regular Bible. Okay, so Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 7. Let's just read along uh, altogether, okay? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist, third time it was said, will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. For if you do wrong, be afraid. For, if, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger. This is probably where they took that title of the movie. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Verse 7, pay to all what is owed to them. Uh, Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenues to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads right now and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time together. As we study your word, give us wisdom. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint the preaching of your word. And my prayer, God, is that you would help us to be godly citizens of the kingdom of God and even of this nation. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, just to give us a little background of the context of what we're talking about in Romans, when the Apostle Paul was writing this, um, the government structure during the time of Jesus and during the time when the Apostle Paul was writing this um, was not a democracy, okay? So we've got to understand that. They were being ruled by the Roman Empire, which was a republic and an autocracy, where all the political power was invested in a single individual named Caesar. Now, there's a lot of Caesar that was, you know, if you read your history books, there's not just one Caesar. The first one is Julius Caesar. It's a family name. But eventually, they took the name Caesar to denote like a supreme ruler or an emperor. 
So you've got Julius Caesar, you've got Marcus Aurelius, you've got Caesar Nero, you've got Caesar Salad, or whatever it is. Okay, so you've got a lot of different Caesar. And during the time of the Apostle Paul, it was Emperor Nero. And if you are familiar who this emperor was, he was one who has a harsh uh, attitude, especially against the believers. And it is in this backdrop that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Romans to submit to the authorities. And later on, if you study your history, he will be later killed by this very same emperor that he was writing about. You know, at some point in history, Caesar was even worshipped as a god. And the Roman citizens would even declare Caesar is Lord. And the nation of Israel was under the Roman government, but the empire allowed governors to rule over Palestine, or Palestine, some of which were Pontius Pilate, you've got Felix, you've got Festus. And Rome even allowed the subject nations to have their own rulers to preserve their culture. And so Israel was being ruled by a certain king named King Herod. You're familiar with that. When Jesus was born, King Herod was the one who was ruling at that time. And basically, he was the one who threatened and who gave an order, a command, or an edict to kill all uh, baby boys to and under because he was threatened at the birth of Jesus because, you know, Herod was known as the king of the Jews, but then, you know, the real king of the Jews arrived when Jesus was born. Herod was so powerful that he declared the killing of babies, small babies, and he was neither tried for that. He was not impeached for that after even doing that particular commandment or edict. Now, although some Palestinian Jews already advocated the revolt against Rome, that would take place later on in about another decade, other Palestinian Jews uh, reported to swore to non-resistance. They would rather be quiet and silent, uh, believing that God had ordained all civil authorities. And Paul may be concerned uh, about the Christians, that they will join the revolution. And so he reminds them of their obligations to the government, that they are subject to authority. And ultimately, God is the one who is the ultimate authority and somehow the need to support this government and to honor them. What a hard command, you know, during that time. And I believe that, you know, if there's a time or a season wherein you and I can choose, would you rather live during the time of the Apostle Paul when Emperor Nero was alive? Or are you grateful that you are now living in the year 2020 wherein we have this current administrator, uh, administrator, administration, okay, our government administration? Now, why will the Apostle Paul, that's my question, encourage to subject or to submit to a very harsh government? We also need to remember that we are all dual citizens, okay? You know, some of you really literally are dual citizens. Some of you are like American, Filipino, or Phil Ams, or uh, Filipino Chinese, or Phil Chai, or whatever. Okay, I have a friend, Pastor Robert Hearn, who found out that he can actually apply for dual citizenship. And so he's a Filipino and now an American. So he planted a church now in uh, San Diego, uh, California. But yet, the dual citizenship that we have is citizenship in heaven and citizenship here 
on earth. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So, dual citizenship tayo, di ba? So, this mindset or thinking will help us better uh, judge and make decisions in life because we have a different standard from the world. Our value system is different. Our values are kingdom values and not worldly values. We are kingdom people. And you, you know, before we are business people, we are kingdom people. I am a Christian before I am a Filipino. I am a Christian before I am a lawyer. I am a Christian before I am a government official. And so I am governed or governed by this particular value system because we are part of the kingdom of God. In fact, the kingdom of God transcends all the different kingdoms of this world. And yet we are still part of this world, which God commanded us to make disciples of all nations. So allow me to share, to share just three simple truths or three words basically from the book of Romans or chapter 13 particularly. First is submission to authority. Submission to authority in verse 1, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now maybe you're thinking, that is not all inclusive or just applicable maybe during the time of the Apostle Paul. But it, what's interesting here is the Apostle Paul repeated this same subject or subjection in verse 5 when he said, Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. We're submitting ourselves to the government not only to avoid the wrath of God, but so that it's also for our conscience. What's interesting in, uh, you know, in, in the NIV version, it says, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authority. Not only is it a must, but it's necessary. It's imperative. It's a command. Not only because of the possible punishment, but also because of a matter of conscience. Now, when you talk about governing, it means beyond or above. And why is this important to know? Because we are, you know, there are governing authorities above us, which means that we are not always in charge. Have you found out by now that you are not in charge? You know, even if you are the CEO of your company, guess what? You're not in charge. Uh, if you are maybe the mayor of a city, you are subject to a higher authority. You know, we're all being governed by someone higher than us. Someone is always above us. And the word subject or submit comes from a very familiar Greek word. For those of you who have been engaged and who are now married, you've attended an engagement seminar, we've been using uh, this word called hupotasso. Okay? Hupotasso. It's a Greek word, which means it comes from two words. Hupo means under, tasso means to arrange or to line up. It is a word used in a military sense to arrange the troops in a formation under a leader. And so if you look at like a pasamasid uh, or maybe a formation of the military, and if you see a formation of troops uh, before a commanding officer, that is what hupotaso means. It's to align together. It's to arrange properly. Okay? So when you hear the word submit, don't be scared. Wives, don't be scared about that word, okay? It just merely means to align, to submit. Uh, you know, to submit then is to live under God's arrangement. It is not an issue of who is better or who is stronger, but an issue of order. 
It is not about blind obedience, but to align under. You know, another use of the word submit in a non-military sense is to have a voluntary attitude of cooperation or to help carry a burden. In fact, to submit is not passive. It is not actually to force upon, but there should be an active submission wherein you are willingly able to do it. You want to do it. You want to submit. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, uh, when he was saying uh, submit to the authorities, there should be a willingness to do it. There should be a willingness to cooperate. There should be a willingness to carry on the burden. So it is the duty of the citizens, especially Christians, to help carry the burden of the government by learning how to submit to it. And I know that maybe many of you are watching at your home. You're questioning the fact that, is this realistic? Is this actually something that we can apply today? How can we do this? Whether you're a citizen of the Philippines or whether you're probably abroad and you are actually under a government that you don't agree with, how can that be possible? You know, I believe that Christians must be the model citizens of the country. Hindi dapat tayo pasawais. Pasawais, okay? Dapat wag tayo pasaway. We should not be rebellious. We should not be troublemakers. And Paul was writing this to the believers, not to the state, particularly the Christians uh, in Rome, because Christians were viewed differently since they behave differently. They have a different value system already. They meet privately for fellowship and uh, worship, and Paul commanded them to be the best citizens. And the government is not the only authority that exists to govern us. There are different spheres of authority. Do you know that there's a lot of authority that we need to submit ourselves to? Authority in the home. There's authority in school for those of you who are students. There's authority in the workplace for those of you who are working. There's authority in church. There's authority in military. There's authority in um, homeowners association, in the civic club or whatever. There is a hierarchy that is intended to put things in order, but not to lord it over the subjects. You know, at home, the Bible says wives are commanded to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. And all the wives say, Amen. Ephesians 5 says, if our children were to obey our parents, submit to them. If our employees were to submit to our employers, to be faithful, to be exemplary employees. If for church members, there's also a passage that says, submit to your leaders. And as Christians, we submit for the Lord's sake. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're submitting to his rulership and authority in every aspect of our life. You know, when I committed my life to the Lord Jesus back in 1986, that was a very long time ago. Some of you are not even born yet. You know, I've submitted myself to him. You know, I, I noticed that there's a lot of things that I used to believe that somehow was contrary to the teaching of the Bible. I had to align myself to the teaching of the word. 
in the area of purity and holiness and the way I speak and the way I use my tongue and the way I honor, uh, you know, uh, women and in the, in the way I treat my parents and so on and so forth. To submit is to put under ourselves in the, uh, under the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submission to authority is what Romans 13 first is saying. Secondly, it talks about sovereignty of God. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And we read that from verse 2. It says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Wow, this is kind of scary, isn't it? You know, that somehow if we resist the government or if we resist, we're actually not just resisting that government. We're resisting the very God who instituted or appointed or ordained that government. Think about that for a moment. Hard teaching for a beautiful Sunday. And there's only one source of power and authority. Guess who that is from? Only from God. No matter how the power is wrongly used, it is still emanating from God. God is the one who places and institutes different forms of government. There's no authority except what God established. In other words, all authorities and government have been established by God. And people have been asking, what's the best form of government? Which one is the one that God wants us to have? Is it a republic? A democracy? Is it a monarchy? Is it an oligarchy ruled by the few? Well, the answer of the scripture is not necessarily any of this. It is whatever God has assigned and brought into being, depending on the timeline and the, you know, the, somehow the makeup of the people, the degree of openness, the truth, uh, even moral conditions prevailing during that time. And so we see that there are different forms of government in the Bible, in history, and even until today. You know, the point of the Apostle Paul is this. Whatever form of government you find, God is behind it. God instituted it. Even if a government may seem to be anti-God, in its values, in its beliefs, God is still above that government. Yes, even communism and even the tyrannical rulers of the past you know, if you look at the Bible, God was not at all threatened by any of these kinds of rulers or government in the past. In the Bible, there are so many rulers and kings who don't believe in God, like the, you know, Pharaoh of Egypt, uh, Cyrus of, uh, of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and others. You know, for example, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 4, God said, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. You know, Pharaoh may actually seem to be saying that I am the one in charge over the land of Egypt, but you know what God is saying? You're not in charge. I'm in charge of you. And I can actually turn things around so that ultimately my name will be known. Jeremiah chapter 27 verse 6, Now I will hand all your countries to my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. God can do that. God has the one who is 
the ultimate authority who to put there and how to take them out. The rulers may not be aware of it, but they are ultimately accountable to God for how they use their powers. You know, do you know that God sets up kings and he deposes them? And you find that in Daniel chapter 20. And he said this, Praise be to the name of the God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. In other words, God has the ultimate and absolute authority. Governing authorities only have a delegated authority coming from God. They only have a partial authority. You know, I was listening to uh, one of the podcasts of John Piper, and what he said was, you know, these are all derivative authorities, if I may use that word. Like every form of government is just a derivative of God's absolute authority. You know, when Jesus was being questioned by the Pontius Pilate, and he would not reply, Pilate said to him in John chapter 19, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? How did Jesus respond to him? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. You know what? You may have or may not have voted for this current administration. Senators that are sitting in our Senate, the mayors in our LGUs. But guess what? God is the one who placed them there. In his sovereign will and great wisdom, God knows what he is doing. And our role as believers is to pray and support and honor the government that God has placed for us. Let that sink in for a moment. Honor, support, and respect the government that God has placed over us. You know, I might receive emails after this message. And if we have a problem with that, we can ask the Apostle Paul why he wrote Romans 13. And by the way, you can also ask the Holy Spirit why he led the Apostle Paul when he was writing that letter. My last thought is this. Servants of God. Servants of God. First, we talked about submission. And then we talked about the sovereignty of God. And now we're talking about servants of God. Who are the servants of God? In verse 3, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Verse 4, it says, For he is God's servant for your good. Did Paul really write this in the Bible? That our government officials are servants of God. In another translation, it says ministers of God. I thought ministers are like pastors and evangelists. Can you imagine if a police officer flags you down uh, and then gives you a ticket and then you say to him, uh, hello, minister or reverend. He's a servant of God. And it says, but if you do wrong, which 
many of us have actually maybe have violated some laws. Then be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, what is the purpose of government? Government is actually God's servant on earth to do two things. To protect the people, if you are good, or community, and to punish the criminal or the wrongdoer. What's good about the government is, you know, in the NIV it says, they're there to do you good. You know, have you ever actually been flagged down? You know, I was actually, I don't know how many times I've been flagged down by police officer because of driving, whether it's over speeding or beating the red or, you know, I don't know, maybe taking a wrong turn. And it's, it's not a pleasant experience. You know, especially if you feel that you are right and that you can justify it. And, you know, sometimes I am tempted to use my pastor card. I'm not really good. <laughs> but, you know, they're there so that we can have law and order. And my question for us is, you know, sometimes it's very difficult for us to accept the, you know, that really the policemen are servants of God. Because sometimes they act like as if they're the boss or they abuse their power. Or sometimes they're corrupt or they're very abusive, so on and so forth. But their role really is to enforce law and order. Law is the precedent and order is the outcome. And they have to implement that. If there's no law in the land, there's going to be lawlessness. You know, the reason why we can all sleep at night, you know, soundly, is because we know that there are authorities out there that are keeping law and order. And there's no lawlessness in the city where you're in. Whatever city, Parañaque, Las Piñas, Palabang, Tinlupa, Bacoor, you can sleep well at night because you know that there's an authority that's doing their job. And yes, you may say that they might be abusive and corrupt, but the reality is not one government in the world is absolutely clean and perfect. There's no such thing as a Christian government right now until maybe the time when Jesus comes back and he establishes his reign over us. In verse 6, it says, and this somehow sums up the duties that we are to serve as believers, as Christians. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers. Here we go again. Servants of God attending to this very thing. In verse 7, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue are owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And this speaks of our role and duties as citizens of this nation. We need to be law-abiding people. We must pay the right taxes. But you may ask, what about corruption? Don't worry about that. God will deal with them. Paul wants believers everywhere to become the best citizens that their nation could ever have. We're to support, respect our government instead of speaking ill against them, instead of cursing them, instead of speaking against the government. Why don't we speak about or talk to God about our government? In uh, 2 Timothy chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse uh, 1, it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, 
And thanksgiving be made for all, for kings and all those in authority, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And guess what? It's not just about praying for their salvation. It's also prayer of thanksgiving. Have you ever thanked a government official or a police officer for flagging you down and say, thank you, police. Thank you, chief, for giving me a ticket. Our natural tendency is to complain against them. How do we try to honor them? Well, the Bible just simply says, respect, if it's due them, honor to those whom we owe honor. As I end, what about civil disobedience? Can there be a place or a time wherein we do not have to submit to governing authorities? Well, the answer is yes. When the higher order or God's order is violated, then we follow God's command. They're not higher than God in authority. You know, when rulers or government leaders are the ones who give orders to do wrong, then as Christians, we must submit to the ultimate authority and say, we must obey God rather than men. And we see this in time and time again in the Bible when, you know, in Exodus chapter 1, Matthew 2, the, when uh, the leaders of the land said to kill uh, the babies, some people did not even obey that. They did civil disobedience. When uh, Nebuchadnezzar set up an idol and said that at the sound of, a, of, the, of the trumpet, you are all to bow down. And they said, we're not going to bow down. We're going to obey our God. And so that is civil disobedience. Peter and John, when they were told by uh, the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin to not preach about the name of Jesus, they said, we cannot help but talk about Jesus. We'd rather obey God than men. How is this applicable to us today? You know, when there is an attack against the sanctity of the human life, like abortion, we are to rise up. When there is a legitimization, for example, of pornography in our land, we need to rise up as Christian believers. When there is an attack on the institution of marriage and the sanctity of marriage, we need to rise up against that. When there is maybe a move of the closure of churches, prohibiting worship or the preaching of God's word, guess what? We're going to not obey that because we'd rather obey God than men. You know, in Matthew chapter 22, as I come to a close, the Pharisees went and plotted to entangle Jesus with his very own words. And they asked this question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus replied, show me a coin whose image and inscription is on it. And they replied, Caesar's. Now they thought that they have him trapped. Well, this is what Jesus said to them. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But he did not put a period there. Then he proceeded by saying, and give to God what is God's. You know, the question for us today as we end is, what belongs to God? You know, everything belongs to God, including Caesar himself. The Roman coin may have the image of Caesar stamped on it. But guess what? As I look around this auditorium, and I don't see you on Zoom or Facebook or YouTube, 
But you have the image of God stamped in you. You are made in His image and likeness and we all must ultimately submit to Him. This is the starting point for us to be subjected to the one who stamped His image in us. This is what Lordship is all about. And you know, as we apply God's word, let's remember this. When Paul pivoted in Romans chapter 12, and he said, in view of God's mercies, after all the things that God has given to us, salvation, goodness, righteousness, peace, uh, you know, uh, acceptance, forgiveness, sanctification, justification, the gift of the Holy Spirit, what he is saying is, now our turn is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is our spiritual act of worship. And you know, worship is not just the song coming from our lips. It is the behavior coming from our lives. This means that all those commands that we've talked about only make sense when we know and we've experienced God's mercy through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, my main point as I come to a close is this. As we submit to authorities, we honor God who has the absolute authority above all. As we submit to authorities, we honor God who has the absolute authority above all. Let's just bow our heads right now as we come to a close. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time. Lord, I ask that you would show us as a people of God, as believers, that yes, we are not just citizens of this kingdom that you have encouraged us to be part of by you sending your son Jesus, but we're also citizens in this place we're in, in this world. And allow us to be able to obey and intersect our role and our duties as Christian citizens to honor you by also submitting ourselves and aligning ourselves to the governing authorities above us. Lord, instead of us bashing them and cursing them, I pray that we will pray for them. I pray that we will respect them. I pray that we will thank even for the things that they are doing. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will, Lord, even allow those who have been victims of maybe injustice. Lord, help us. We may not understand what happened and how things are about to play. But Lord, may we trust in your command when you said in the previous chapter that we are to, Lord, just give to you the one who is the avenger for us because you said in your word, vengeance is mine. And so we will put our trust in you. We thank you, Lord God, that you will allow your people to be the great and the best citizens that this nation will ever know. You know, if you're watching this and maybe you have not given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ yet, I'd like to invite you to pray the simple prayer right now. Why don't you just follow along with me? Just say this simple words. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to this world to offer your body and be a savior. I confess that I am a sinner and I surrender my life to you. 
I believe in what you have done on the cross and I confess that Jesus is my Lord. And I know for certain that from this day on that you have forgiven me from all my sins and you have given me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.